Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. Today I'm talking about courage. Courage. How many feel like you could use another dose of courage in life? There's, uh, we go through circumstances that are discouraging. They, they rob us of our courage. And uh, courage, I think, is a, it's a virtue that is it's, it's somewhat missing in society right now. Is the virtue of courage, and I want to. I want. They're going to throw it up on the board here. A uh, a slide. This was an advertisement. 1914 in the London. I don't know whatever paper was in London. The London Herald, and uh, it says this: Men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return, doubtful. Honor and recognition in case of success. Sir Ernest Shackleton. They had so many people turn up to that advertisement that, that they had to turn people away. And this is, if you've ever, if you've ever heard the story, Sir Ernest Shackleton, he was, he was the leader, and he's one of the most famous expedition leaders in the world. Like, he, he, and what he tried to do was to reach the South Pole. And this was back, you know, when they didn't have, like, generators and sleds that had power that could just, you know, they, they walked places. And so what do you do when you walk everywhere you go? Well, hey, let's try and walk to the coldest place on the planet together. And it's a great story. There's a book I highly recommend reading. It's called The Endurance, and uh, it is the story of the failed expedition to Antarctica. They never even got to the continent. They, they, as they, they had sailed into pack ice, they were hoping they would be able to sail through the pack ice, but they got caught in the pack ice. Winter hit, the ice froze, and they were stuck on the ice, I, I believe the crew was 29 men, and they were stuck on ice for the next 15 months. 15 months on Antarctic ice. These are places where temperatures can reach like minus 50, minus 60 degrees. 15 months. It was it, the, last crew, the last crew members were rescued after 19 months of being, being stranded. And here's the thing. Not a single crew member was lost in the expedition. They didn't lose a single person. Now look at that. That's courage. Like a, a bit of stupid as well. But, but that's Courage. I look at even, even our own, where we live. You know, just 100 years ago, 100, just, just over 100 years ago, there were people that left the security of where they lived, packed up their stuff, loaded up their horses, and they came out here. And, and, and they came and settled land that was, that was not, like, they didn't get here until we'll just check in at the Holiday Inn for a while, until we find a place to live, they came here, and you had, you had 
three goals the first winter. Or that, the three goals, when you arrived, you had three goals before the first winter, is get a home built before winter, get a garden planted with enough time to harvest some food so you can eat during the winter, and then the third thing was just pray you don't die in the winter. And this is a, a mindset that, that that's what, that's what, our, that's what the, our land was built on. That's, that's, that was what people came here. They didn't come here for safety. They came here for opportunity. And that was the mindset that kind of permeated a generation. They wanted opportunity over safety. And, and there's, they say, I was listening this week to a, a message uh, by a, I think he's a, I think he's a sociologist. He's something. Anyways, <clears throat> He said there's three, there's three traits that are, that are common to thriving societies, and it's courage, sacrifice, and persistence. These are the three traits that are, these are in societies that thrive. And then there's five, there's five stages of society, he says, and they apply equally to organizations as well, but that, the first stage of society is sacrifice, and great things are built. When, when people in, in society have an attitude of sacrifice, great societies are built. But then what happens is those people have children. And those children, they, they take on the next stage of society, which is still good. It's appreciation. They appreciate. They appreciate that their parents, or, the, the, or, or even sometimes in, in, in cases their grandparents, they, they appreciate the fact that they sacrifice. They, they look around, they see we have hospitals, we have churches, we have schools. This is the result of the effort, the sacrifice of a generation. That first generation, they build things knowing we're not even going to, to benefit from these things. It's going to be our children and our children's children. That attitude of sacrifice. But then the third generation, the, the third the third thing it shifts into is an attitude of entitlement. Now it's not just we, we don't just appreciate the fact we have schools or the, we ch- the fact we have hospitals. We expect to have schools. We expect to have hospitals. I expect society to serve me. It's a different, different type of mindset. Now, one thing to keep in mind is at any point, society can return to the first. Society can return back to a plate, that attitude of saying, I'm, I'm going to sacrifice for something better. But if it doesn't, it goes, on to, it goes from entitlement to contempt. Defund the police. We start to have contempt. And it, it's one of the things that, I, you know, wisdom that we just, we need to hear this a little bit more is never take, some, never tear a fence down until you know why the fence was built. There might be a bull on the other side of that fence that wants you to tear that fence down. But we go into contempt where we just, it's not only a sense of entitlement, but it's just like, oh, we can do better. We can make, we just, and then the, the fifth stage is destruction. Just bury it. And I think the danger of us right now, I think sociologically as a society, is I actually think we're in stage four right now. And there's, we need, the, you, don't get, you don't get good things in these last two stages. What we have to do is have the courage to return to stage one. We have to have, because sacrifice takes courage. 
Sacrifice takes courage. Building things, building society, it takes courage. And I, I would argue that it's vital we choose courage now more than ever. No one is coming to rescue you. You have to make that choice for yourself. And that takes courage. And part of the, I think part of the danger of when we fall into these entitlement and these, the contempt is we're, we're thinking it's somebody else's job to rescue us. It's your job to rescue you. And that takes courage. That takes courage. Now, some of you are just, I don't like his preaching today. <laughs> I don't like what he's saying. Take personal responsibility. <laughs> the command to be courageous is one of the most common commands in the Bible. The command, you couple that with the command to, to not fear or not be afraid, and I think it might be the most common command through Scripture. That it, it, is, a, it is a theme from the start to the finish is to be courageous and to not be fearful. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This, there's, such a, there's so much in here. But two more times, just in the, just in the beginning of Josh, in this book of Joshua. Now Joshua is, is a leader who is commissioned with leading a nation into the promised land which would be an intimidating job. It's hard enough just to, just to lead, like, one person somewhere, let alone, let alone a whole nation of people known for grumbling and complaining. It's, so why, why is God commanding Joshua to be strong and courageous? Well, because our natural inclination is to not be strong. And not be courageous. Our natural, the, the, if, if we give in to our feelings, we tend to revert into insecurity and fear. Be strong and courageous. It takes courage to trust God. And in our, in our current society, this is counterintuitive to a society that has idolized comfort. We consider now the best life actually quite an easy life. We don't consider the best life a life filled with challenges overcome. We consider the best life sitting by beaches with pina coladas, lounging back at the all-inclusive, you know, visiting the taco bar once in a while. That's the good life, isn't it? That's what we view as the good life. And it's not that there's anything wrong with those things, but that's actually not the good life. The good life is an overcoming life. It takes courage to trust God. God does not, you're not going to like me after I say this. God does not promise you comfort. The promise of God, nowhere does he promise us comfort. He promises, he promises us a comforter. He is, the Holy Spirit is the great comforter. 
And there's only two reasons you need a comforter. The first reason is you're in a situation that's not comfortable. And the second reason you need a comforter is your bedroom is cold. (laughs) I had to do that. Just have to get a dad joke in there somewhere. Don't be afraid. Be courageous. One of the most repeated commands in Scripture. And it stands today, it's just as real as it's ever been. To, to, to fulfill the potential that God has put on your life will not come through just silent contemplation and prayer. It comes through courage. You pray for courage. You sit in contemplation, contemplating how you need courage. <laughs> and then you get up out of your silence and your solitude and your prayer cushion, and then you act with courage. Because God will speak to you in that place. And you know what he'll tell you? Be courageous. (laughs) And he'll tell you, and don't be afraid. Be courageous. How did we get here as a society? Well, I think we've prioritized safety and comfort over opportunity. And I think, I think to a large degree, um, culture, media, government, they've, they've manipulated us using a primal response in our brain. And that's, the, that's, that's that fear response. It, and fear, what fear does is fear, when we, when we allow fear to run rampant in our lives, fear, has, fear can control us. Like the, Bible, the Bible literally describes the war in us as be, uh, it, it's, it's a war between love and fear. And where we're listening to fear, we can't listen to love. And where we're listening to love, we can't listen to fear. And God's spirit is a spirit of love. And where there's, where there's perfect love, there's no fear. But fear activates a part of our brain that logic doesn't shut off. So you can, you can be, you can, it's, it's, like, it's like when somebody is afraid of wasps. Tis the season right now, right? And have you noticed some people, as soon as a wasp starts flying around them, they're just like, like, and then they're like off the table, and they're like up hiding under the bed in the house, and you're just like, you're just trying, you're just trying, or, or maybe it's a bee, whatever your preference And, and you're just, you know what? If you just sit still, it won't bother you. But the problem, <laughs> I can see some of you, you do not understand. <laughs> I understand perfect because the logic and reason part of your brain doesn't govern the fear part of your brain. Fear overrides everything. And that's how we survive. If there, you walk out the door and there is a bear in front of your door, your fear system kicks in. And you will, ne- but the problem is, you will now never walk out your door the same again. You will have a response 
because of a fear system that kicked in. It's the, the limbic system of your brain, and it's what it's when we had to run away from tigers and we had to run away from bears to live, that was the part of our brain that kept us alive. But we don't have tigers and bears chasing us anymore. But that part of our brain still works the same. Do not fear. There's some things that the... I better move faster here. There's, there's things that the Bible tells us not to fear. It tells us not to fear the future. It tells us not to fear unknown dangers. You know, the world is full of all manner of things that could kill you. Eventually, one will succeed. It's true. <laughs> An encouraging message today. <laughs> Welcome to City Life. Rather, trust God with the future. We can live our whole life trying to avoid the things we fear and in the process not live life. Trust God with the future. If you are getting baptized, I am dismissing you right now. So if you're getting baptized, you can go back. There'll be someone right, right back in the foyer that, that will greet you. And, uh, and if you're here and you're thinking, you know, I'm not, I didn't come to get baptized, but I'm not baptized, and I need to get baptized. You can go back there right now, too, and we would love to help you. We have a change of clothes for you. You can just go back there and just get over your fear. Be courageous. Put the message into action right now. Sometimes that's the, you know what? Hard decisions are like crying babies. They need to be carried out quickly. Just, just, just do it. Sit there, should I, shouldn't I? Get off your butt and go to the back and just make the decision. Be strong and courageous. Don't fear the future. Don't fear unknown danger. Psalms 118.6, David said, The Lord is with me, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? What can mere, mere mortals? They can do nothing. That was a terrible accent. I need to get Simon to do the accent for me. He's just like, Mike, I can't help you with that at all. <laughs> My accents are beyond help. They're terrible. That's what makes them funny. But... Uh, Daniel Gardner in The Science of Fear, Why We Fear the Things We Shouldn't and Put Ourselves in Greater Danger. It's a long title. It says, he says this, he says, we are the healthiest, wealthiest, and most long-lived people in history, and we are the most afraid. This is one of the great paradoxes of our time. When professor of psychology, he said, it, he said this, he said, the avoidance of danger in, is in itself dangerous. To try and be safe all the time, to try, and, to try and avoid fear all the time, actually is more dangerous than to just live courageously. That baby cried just on cue there, eh? <laughs> Don't fear failure. Failure is inevitable. It's what we do with failure that matters. 
If you fear failure, you're never going to take risks. And if you never take risks, you're never going to go to something new. You're never going to grow. If you fear failure, you'll never take the risks needed to succeed. We need to learn to face risk with faith. There is everything good involves risk. What happens if I get married and it doesn't work out? Then you got married and it didn't work out. Then it didn't work out. <laughs> it, what's worse is to never enter a relationship because that person might disappoint me. Guess what? They will. You know, what happens if I trust people? They might betray me. Sure they will. But you know what? Some won't betray you. And some will betray you, and then they'll say sorry. And you'll betray them, and you'll say sorry. And then your relationship will be stronger as a result of this. Life can't be lived without risk. Every good, every good thing involves some amount of risk. And we were, we're living in a world right now that seems to want to put all feelings of discomfort aside. Wants to create these safe spaces where you can never be exposed to an idea that might hurt you or an emotion that might leave you triggered. Seems to be the popular word today. Where all sources of risk and fear and discomfort are removed. Guess what? That won't work. It won't work, which is the last thing not to fear is discomfort and anxiety. Listening to one psychologist, he said, the most effective way to overcome anxiety is to willingly face that which makes you anxious. I love this. Jordan Peterson, he said this, go slay your dragon in its lair before it shows up to destroy your village. <laughs> it's a great quote. Go slay your dragon in its lair before it shows up to destroy your village. In the book, The, the Coddling of the American Mind, the author says this, teaching kids that failures, insults, and painful experiences will do lasting damage is harmful in and of itself. Human beings need physical and mental challenges and stressors or we deteriorate. We've been teaching a generation of young people the mental habit the mental habits of anxious and depressed people. And we shouldn't be surprised when they become anxious and depressed in huge and terrifying numbers. We tell them that they're fragile, but they're not. Mike, you're just not being very politically correct today. All right. Three minutes and 47 seconds to get through some things. That same book, The Coddling of the American Mind, he says there's two activities that significantly correlate. And this is, this is speaking primarily about, about the next generation or about a young generation, but it, I think it applies across the board. He says there's two activities that significantly correlate with depression and other suicide-related outcomes, such as considering suicide, making a plan, or an actual attempt. Two things, electronic device use, such as a smartphone, tablet, or computer, and watching TV. These are the two things. He said, on the other hand, there's five activities that have an inverse relationship with depression. 
meaning those who spend more hours per week on these activities show lower rates of depression. Here they are. Do you want to know? It's good. Sports, other forms of exercise. Oh, I don't like this list already, Mike. I didn't want that. I wanted, like, go to the restaurant, order a latte, go shopping. Sports, other form of exercise, attending religious services. This is not a religious book, by the way. Reading books and other print media, in-person social interactions. And here's the, the, here's the last one, which is really funny. Doing homework. <laughs> Doing homework. Decreases depression. It's like, well, you didn't know me as a high school student, obviously. <clears throat> but here it is put limits. Here's some things we can do that, that will help us to, to embrace a life of courage, but also resist a life of fear. Put limits on news and other forms of media. I think we all know this. Like, we all know that when we check the news or we check even scrolling through Facebook, it's like, there's going to be garbage there. There's going to be garbage there. Here's a question I want to ask you. How much cyanide is safe to drink? Because a lot of what we get in our media today is cyanide. A lot of it, even from, from this, this study, it's the most dangerous item that we ever give our kids. Right here. The most dangerous item we have ever given to them for their mental health, I'm holding in my hand, and we give it to them for their birthdays. And I am not going to sit here and say, I didn't give my kids a phone. But, what's that? We gave it to them on their birthday. <laughs> Happy depression, children. <laughs> May you struggle with thoughts of suicide the rest of your life. It's really bad, isn't it? But most of us know this. Well, why, do, why do we know it? Because we go to social media, we go to the news, and we don't feel good. Wow. Fear gets our attention. Anxiety gets our attention. It generates a reaction. We click, and that generates revenue for our company. So they keep doing it because they want to keep making money. Because they're not there to make your life better. They're there to make money. That's why you start businesses. Okay, moving right along. You'll like this next one. It's great. Do hard things. <laughs> often. Do hard things often. And... There's this, there's this philosophy that is ideology that's creeping into Western culture. It's been creeping for a long time. And it says everything should be easy and fair. This will not work. First of all, things will never... Don't start yet because I'm not ready for you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I always, always... They say, when should I start playing? And it's like, when I'm out of time, you better start playing because otherwise I'll never shut up. 
We need life. We need to get used to life being hard. And the problem is, is we don't do hard things. We don't dream about doing hard things. We dream about avoiding hard things. We, we think that life is best in the absence of hard things, but it's not. Life is best when we're overcoming hard things. That's when we feel good. There's an old saying. It says, prepare the child for the road, not the road for the child. Parents, don't shelter your kids from hurt. Don't shelter them from danger. Teach them how to overcome pain. Teach them to be stronger. And, you know, I know this is, it's complicated. Yes, it is complicated. But courage works better than fear always. Tests, do hard things. I believe tests of endurance are good for us. I believe it's good to learn that you can handle more than you think. You can handle a lot. You'd be surprised what you can handle. You might not like it, but you'll discover things about yourself in it that you can be stronger. It's my personal belief that difficult exercise is good for us on a deeply psychological level. Teaches us resilience. Teaches us how to manage stress. It also improves hormonal function and cognitive ability. All right. Too many pages left. Here's an interesting thing. This is from a doctor. You know what the most important step you can take once you're over the age of 50 for your long-term quality of life for the next, for the rest of the years of your life? Anybody want to guess? See, think diet? That would be up there, eh? You think diet would be, it's not. Well, it's there, obviously. Don't eat Twinkies the rest of your life. You think medication? Pharmaceuticals? Viagra, that might make your life a little bit. <laughs> you know what the number one thing you can do to enhance the quality of your life from the age 50 on? You're going to love this. Resistance training. Lift weights. The number one pe- reason that people die is because when they get in their 60s and 70s is they fall down and they break something and then what happens is your body... Uh, is it a sarcophagy? Sarcopathy? What's the the term for when your bones get brittle and brittle bones? Thanks, Simon. Brittle bones. <laughs> Resistance training. Lift weights. Why? Because you need to lift your weight the rest of your life. And as soon as you lose the ability to do it, your quality of life goes down quick. And, and uh, oh, just, I'm done. The next thing, for the, those that hate that message, go on a difficult hike. You know what? Read a book that's just a little more difficult than you're used to, that's a little intimidating. Commit to a project that'll stretch your ability. If you're a workaholic, schedule time off and keep it. That'll test you. And then... The next thing we can do 
To live courageously is connect with strong people. Connect with strong people. We get courage by being around others that are living courageously. If all your friends are jumping off a cliff, there's a good chance you'll try it too. I mean this in a good way. You know, you're on holidays and you jump off a cliff into the water, not like, yeah. Connect with strong people. (laughs) Okay, Mike, you are done. Last thing is decide daily where you will place your trust. Decide daily. Let's stand up. And I'm going to pray really quickly. Psalms 56, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise. In God I trust and I am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? I put my trust in you. You know what? That's a daily choice. We have a world around us that says, trust us, trust this, trust that. But there's only one who actually has, there's only one that is eternally trustworthy. So Father, we just, we just put our trust in you. And those things that try and get us to substitute something else for you, to say, you can trust this or you can trust that. Lord, we just declare that you alone are trustworthy. We place our trust in you. I'm just going to pray a prayer. Maybe you're here. You've never said yes to Jesus or you've never said yes to his, his plan for your life. And you're here saying, you know, I, I want to say yes to him. I want to follow him. And I, I'd invite you. We're going to pray this together. I would invite you to join us as we pray this. Let's pray, Jesus, I say yes to you. I want to follow you. I want to follow your purpose and your plan for my life. Would you come into my life? I place my trust in you. Help me overcome those things that cause me to be fearful and help me to live with courage. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.